Hello, welcome back to Anime on the Sea to Sky. I'm kind of surprised considering I just ended up getting back from watching Blackberry with a couple of buddies of mine before even going out to watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, even though I've heard nothing but amazing things from James Good and his team over there. So I'm not going to be surprised if I'm going to be able to catch that towards the end of May before Spider-Verse 2 comes out in June, but I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because this is definitely not going to be a podcast where we're talking mostly about X huge Canadian telemarketing conglomerates that had a 45% market share over the entirety of North America in the phone business at their peak. Uh, we're just talking about Japanese animated cartoons. Uh, but besides that, I guess a couple of things to talk about leading into a bit of the news, since there weren't that many huge pieces. Mostly all the conversation has been going over and checking back in with the new Legend of Zelda game, which just came out. So, for better or worse, I have absolutely no opportunity or will not have any opportunity to talk about that because the only Zelda game that I have ever played to completion was Twilight Princess back on the GameCube. So, um, yeah, not too much of a super fan leading into most of the Legend of Zelda franchise, but I'm definitely glad everybody seems to be having a really good time creating whatever they want to create with the amount of tools that they've been given to at least express themselves in this new familiar world. But in terms of anime news, we have a couple of small, not necessarily fan-created things, but special Japanese screenings from fellow boxing anime enthusiasts and the Megalobox creators, since they ended up doing a special short film based on Creed 3. And so apparently this short film is going to be played after the film in question, whenever it gets its uh, debuts in Japan, called Creed Revenge from the Past. Uh, but outside of it, it's kind of really cool, considering that Michael B. Jordan was able to get in contact with these guys, considering that Megalobox was a huge inspiration, or one of the many good inspirations that ended up coming out towards his directorial debut on Creed 3. And I'd definitely be interested in giving it a watch once they actually bring it over to the West. And then more Japanese fan creations from Western productions and influences, we end up getting the mangaka of the Witch Hat Atelier series, Kamome Shirahama. Uh, she ended up drawing some art of the Owl House characters in celebration of its final release and its inevitable conclusion. And I was kind of shocked considering that this is the first time I've seen any kind of Japanese creative go through and express just either joy and overall support of this particular franchise that has garnered so many inspirations related to their production and with all the references and pieces that they ended up including in their show in general, considering how many animators in this production team are a fan of anime as well. So it was definitely nice to see somebody from the other side of the pond showing that kind of support. And I will definitely get to doing an Owl House episode at some point in time in the near future, considering that I really feel like I need to rewatch the final season again, just kind of to wrap my head around and figure out how it's left me off after more than a month since its conclusion. So yeah, I will bring that around at some point or another. And then in terms for one more Canadian piece of news inside of animation, Nirvana and Polygon Pictures are going to collaborate for more Japanese-originated animated content for kids inside of North America. Considering that Chorus Entertainment announced on Wednesday that its Nelvana subsidiary is partnering with Polygon Pictures, which is the studio that made Ajin and Knights of Sidonia, and they're going to deliver Japanese-originated animated content for kids going on the other side of the pond. They're planning on drawing inspiration from their existing legacy content, as well as new perspectives such as lifestyle, publishing, and design for the new content that they're going to be able to produce over the next couple of years. Because <laughs> honestly, it has been ages since I've seen the Nelvana logo through it, because I know that the demographic for that is mostly aimed towards kids, and that their parent company, Chorus, is the one that normally comes to 
mind first. But regardless, it was just really interesting to see how this is going to be the next piece that they decide to go for, considering that at least on the East Coast, especially like near Quebec and Ontario, they are much more dedicated and connected with a lot of other Japanese companies and creatives whenever they want to bring something over to the Canadian shores. So I'm really kind of curious to see how they're going to be able to do it, considering that the only thing, unfortunately, that they've produced so far together was a very short and mediocre animated series called Geki Drive, it was, which was definitely underneath a lot of uh, the Japanese marketability, because it's like, okay, we're just going to make this show so we can sell toys to kids, which definitely worked a lot more in the 2000s, but nowadays that same kind of formula is not going to find the same success. So I honestly don't know what is in store for the majority of these collabs, but I don't know. I just kind of hope that they'll be able to find some kind of break to bring that kind of expressive expressive uh, Japanese art style towards the shores once again for a lot of new Canadian franchises. Now, unfortunately, I guess I kind of went back and thought that even though I ended up doing a two-parter episode of this back in 2021, I never really remembered to go and make a sequel of it as kind of like a recurring segment of my Music in May episodes, because I didn't do anything related to that last year, and it definitely just flew over my head, and there wasn't necessarily a lot that I can do. So at least to make it up for that, I've got 10 shows um, that have been collaborated over the past 25 years or so to kind of like give more of a musical rendition and also kind of a recommendations episode to go through with 10 music-oriented anime to kind of fill in the gap towards the majority of the stuff that's been coming out as of late. Considering that, of course, the one thing that everybody is going to be jumping on, especially with how successful it was uh, later last year, and that is Bochi the Rock. Considering that there are a handful of different topics and subgenres that a lot of these musical anime interject with, but most of them come in pairs, and Bochi the Rock is definitely the one that kind of fits into the rock slash slice of life category, considering that, yes, the majority of the stuff is focused on the creation of music and the bands and the relationships that form within the characters of Bochi the Rock, but then for me personally, I really did enjoy it too because this kind of rock is something that is a lot more up my alley, especially with the kind of energy that it brings onto the stage, considering that it's sister show that I would like to call it Kaon, which still does live up pretty well to this day, is very much in the same vein, where it's also a slice of life slash uh, rock, even though I, I, I can't necessarily tell if it's J-Rock or Math Rock or just a standard rock and roll sort of deal, considering that Kaons definitely has the same rock standard uh, band formation, but their music is still a little as the show progresses, softer and more melodic than the majority of the pieces that you see coming out of Bochi the Rock. Because I really still do believe that it is one of the best slice-of-life shows out there, especially with how much of the band and their formation as a group influences where the show ends up going. And so it's a lot slower, and that is definitely like the biggest case when you compare it uh, between the two, considering that Bochi the Rock's first season is definitely has much more energy inside of its first 12 episodes, considering that I would not be surprised that within the next two years we're going to have something related to an announcement leading on to a second season if there's more content to adapt. And I mean, outside of that, considering that there's already been a spin-off manga for Bochi the Rock focusing on Kikuri, so there's at least more than enough stuff to look around there. But in terms of what both shows are able to accomplish in their first 12 episodes, they are very similar in that vein, considering what they're able to do in terms of leading in and growing the relationships with people inside and outside the school, how they're able to 
conversed amongst themselves in terms of just being people and creatives in line with the music. Both of them end up having a school festival at the end of their first season. So when you think about it that way, there are a lot of comparisons to at least go through, but with what Kaon was able to do with the additional 24 episodes in a movie that came after the first season, it was able to not only expand, but really bring together the core group of characters that we ended up getting through the rest of it, and even expanding on them in turn. And I do believe that if Bochi, well, if and when Bochi the Rock is going to be getting a sequel, it is going to be running down that same path, and it's only going to be able to get better from there. So in terms of that specific subgenre for Slice of Life, both Kaon and Bochi the Rock deserve your attention wholeheartedly. But then moving forward with that, when we have something a little more related to, say, jazz and acoustics, then the two that I would definitely recommend here would be Carolyn Tuesday and Kids on the Slope. Now, Carolyn Tuesday, even though it's a little bit more recent since what Shinichiro Watanabe was able to accomplish, especially with the different genres with the 24 episodes that he was given, he does cover a lot of ground, especially with something a little bit more funk, a little bit more melodic, a little bit <laughs> a little bit more French. There's just so many pieces, especially considering that you literally just have an American Idol sort of deal to bring so many different kinds of genres of music together. He does a really good job just spreading all of those out, but giving their own time to breathe and having their own individual pieces come together. Considering the amount of times that I've still listened to a lot of the songs that have come off of Carolyn Tuesday's soundtrack, Lay It All On Me, Whispering My Love, Kiss Me, I swear I'm not coming on to anybody throughout this entire episode, but it's just the majority of their songs that they've been able to go through have just been a real consistent piece inside of my playlist for the last several years. And that is definitely in no small part to Novi and Selenia Ann, who did phenomenal performances, at least with the respective singing roles of both Carol and Tuesday. And it does kind of go in a more episodic route, and it's a little all over the place, especially when it, whenever it comes to the political sides that the show tries to inject into its plot just for, I don't know, reasons. And it does kind of end abruptly, but at the very least, if you're not going to go end up giving Carol and Tuesday a watch, even though it's on Netflix and it's 24 episodes, then I would definitely recommend the entire soundtrack that's all put up on Spotify. So I would definitely recommend giving that a listen. Um, but then in terms of a show that does focus on one of the song genres that Carol and Tuesday was able to go through, especially specifically jazz... Kids on the Slope definitely does a really good job where it's kind of in the middle of a lot of the things where you've got slice of life, you've got romance, you've got a period drama, and a lot of it does get focused around this jazz trio that it is in the middle of post-World War II, 1960s Japan. Considering what they're able to do with a trumpet, but more specifically, considering what they're able to accomplish with a trumpet, a piano, and a drum set, they do a lot of phenomenal pieces running through... A lot of the plot points of the story at a breakneck pace, and considering the different relationships that develop and break over the course of its short runtime, I definitely do believe that it's kind of the same deal where you should at the very least go and listen to the soundtrack of this show to kind of see if that kind of jazz ambiance is something that you're kind of looking for. And then I would definitely point you towards this direction, considering that the duets that they two main characters inside of the show are able to accomplish, it really gets everybody's energy going, their feet tapping, and everybody standing at attention to one of the most unlikely duos in a story of this caliber. 
But then moving on to more of the romance side of things, it's kind of a little bit all over the place since it has some, some of them are in rock, some of them have more orchestral and symphonic notes inside of the music that they decide to focus on the majority of these series. But at least the first one that I would like to get towards is Nodame Cantabile, which I apologize for the pronunciation, but it's definitely one of those that still sticks out as one of my favorite romances of all time. It does get shaky at some points, and it's a lot of up and downs, especially with the middle season where they essentially start leaving their homes and trying to find new lives inside the music that they're trying to accomplish themselves with. But still, it's definitely one of those things, especially with the show that I'm also going to be talking about next, is that these are young adults trying to make their way inside of the new worlds that they're trying to accomplish themselves with. And so Nodame Cantabile is definitely interesting in towards that you get all these um, orchestral symphonies that the majority of the main characters are trying to involve themselves with, especially with the fact that one of them is a conductor. And even though there are a handful of orchestral shows that I'm going to be recommending later, this is definitely one that gives you the perspective of the conductor himself, which is definitely something that gives it a little bit more of a twist to it, but with the slipshod relationship that he's able to build with the other main, it's amazing the kind of lengths that this relationship ends up going through, depending on space or time or even the specific kinds of music between the two of them that ends up not only separating them, but bringing them closer together at some points. So it's even though it is probably one of the shows that I have not checked back in in a while, this is this is like 2013 was when I ended up watching this. I'm pretty sure the last season ended around 2010. But if you're willing to give a show that's more than 50 episodes focusing on characters that are more oriented towards young adulthood that are trying to find themselves inside of a world of ever-evolving music, then I would definitely recommend Odame. And then outside of that, you have Nana. And Nana's interesting considering that it does also focus on the rock section of a lot of the shows that we cover, but it is definitely one that is more focused on the relationships that start blossoming towards the myriad of characters that you end up growing to know and love inside of the series, and also sometimes hate, mostly hate. There is a good chunk of characters that you definitely would rather not be on screen, but I mean, outside of that, it is those relationships that definitely get the focus, considering that yes, there are a handful of songs that end up going through the majority of it, but it, these are songs that are meant to elevate the characters and the relationships themselves rather than be the main focus of it. So even though it is technically a music show, I would definitely recommend if you're looking for something a little more young adult oriented inside of their focus, as well as one that is more romance centric, then yeah, I would definitely recommend giving Nana a shot. But then if we're focusing more specifically on the rock aspect where it actually enhances the characters as well as the music that they're trying to emulate as well as perform, then DMC and Beck are definitely in there for kind of the same reasons, but on widely different spectrums. Considering that I've only seen a handful of episodes of Detroit Metal City, considering that I started it way, 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 way back when, and never got back around to it, considering that most of the stuff that ended up coming back were either from clips or from Bonsai Pop's newest video on it. But Detroit Metal City is definitely one where the only similarity with Beck is that it is something where both of the main characters are trying to evolve themselves and trying to find new avenues in life, whether it's through high school, whether it's through college, and regardless of the 
genre music that you go through, either through heavy metal or basic rock, then there are still a lot of different options that the characters are able to go through, but on wildly different spectrums and wildly different extremes. Considering that DMC itself is more of a comedy in this case, where it's like, yes, there's a love interest, yes, there is a bit of music that he decides to perform, but considering how batshit insane the majority of the scenarios that this show ends up getting into, it's mostly just focused on laughs than rather getting the majority of the characters from point A to point B, because you know exactly where they're going to end up at the end of the day. And considering how short the show was at the end of the day, the one that definitely ended up perking my ears grabbing my attention was the one where they had a live-action film of Detroit Metal City. On top of that, having a guest star of Gene Simmons from KISS. And of course, if there was going to be any kind of rock star that you would try to get inside of this live-action, regardless of where they were in the world, that Gene Simmons would have been the catalyst to every kind of inspiration that this show had to offer. So it's definitely one where there is a lot of suspicious and a little bit off-kilter humor for sure considering that it was a time and place sort of deal but that doesn't necessarily excuse much of it there is a lot of things that you can get from this series especially whenever you're bringing gene simmons into the picture and so at least for the most part you can find yourself having a good time and then back is probably one of my favorite uh, music anime out there, considering that the majority of the time that they're able to go through, it's the same sort of deal where you have a young kid who's trying to build himself into somebody better or be more interesting or be more confident or more cool or whichever reason that the show is trying to bring him into the limelight into a much more interesting and exciting future. And learning the guitar definitely sets you up for a lot of avenues a lot, a lot of the time inside those avenues. But I do remember quite a bit more about this show in particular, especially especially the final arc that they end up going through for the majority of the music festivals that the band ends up going around to play at. But they go from either underground clubs to standard music venues all the way over to music festivals that consistently become a through line depending on where the majority of the show ends up going. And kind of just figuring out the chaos of youth and what exactly you want to be the older you go and at some point do you even become an adult or does the world just force you into that sort of deal to give up your dreams entirely or what essentially are you going to have to sacrifice in order to continue along the path that you believed was right in the beginning but you are now faltering at especially with the obstacles that get put in your way the closer and closer you get to moving out into the world and outside of high school especially considering how Japanese high school is essentially the be-all end-all and the majority of formative years for a lot of those youths this was a question that was a lot more poignant to their demographic than it is to our kind of demographic. And so I would definitely give Beck one of the biggest recommendations around any of the pieces that I've been able to go through, especially to not only their opening and ending themes, but a lot of the covers that they were able to go through, which I didn't know until earlier this year uh, that at least one of the songs that he ends up covering in the festival was I Got a Feeling" by the Beatles. And that completes a huge character moment whenever he decides once he puts himself in the limelight and it is something to behold so i would definitely give beck one of the highest recommendations on top of this entire list and then to finish it all off with something that i'm hopefully going to be able to catch by the end of the year uh sound euphonium is going to have its fourth film i guess the first two are compilation films and the third one you actually ended up getting a sequel and then, okay, never mind, I guess it's the fifth one, considering that you also ended up getting Liz and the Bluebird, which, to be fair, 
was a side movie that was done in tandem to at least facilitate the majority of the change in a handful of the characters that happened inside of the story, specifically the main two, including Nozomi and Mizore. And then probably the most tentative addition to this list is probably Your Lie in April, because I don't... It's one of those shows where when I watched it back when it was airing, it really had a hold on me, and I was legitimately invested in the main characters of the show and what essentially is going to be revolving around them. Not specifically the ones revolving around them, because legitimately it was just the two mains... Nobody else was actually that interesting, especially with a lot of the parental figures and the sides and basically everybody else that was trying to get, not necessarily in their way, but to create more unnecessary conflict that didn't really need to go there. So there's not a lot that I can say about Your Lie in April now, considering how forgetful it has been over the course of the years, and especially how problematic and not in terms of its aging, especially considering that it hasn't aged well, it does look good, and I really do enjoy the first opening by Goosehouse, I believe. So that's definitely, like, the thing that I remember the most about this series, but it was one of those where it was very close to being, like, one of my favorite quote-unquote romance slice-of-life draw- like, it, I don't know, considering that a majority follows a middle schooler overcoming his trauma and leading into a piano competition that he is being able to get pulled out of his depression by a really uh, genki blonde-haired girl that's considering she's playing a melodica in the middle of a park and she's got tears running down her face, so it's just, this is going to be a sad show, isn't it? And at the time, I hadn't necessarily seen a lot of shows do that, considering I hadn't seen a lot of melodramas, I hadn't seen stuff like In the Fault of Their Stars, and you kind of know that something bad is going to be, like, leading in through the rest of the conflict, and that's kind of why I was invested, because it was just the main two. The characters beside them don't really add a lot to the story, and I did really enjoy the duets whenever they had the opportunity to go through and perform together. But looking back on it now, the less and less I start remembering the show, and there wasn't there's not a lot for me to go back to or even stick around. Not because I know how it ends, but also because, I don't know, it's just, it's good when you have a quote-unquote romance be good enough that the two main characters can stand on their own two feet. But when the majority of the show ends up surrounding them with characters whose caliber is not on the same level, it doesn't necessarily work as well. It still looks great, it sounds great, there's not as much else that I can basically go through, but it, for better or worse, I had to round this off as the 10th. So of all 10 shows that I basically got on the list here, Your Lie in April would probably be at the bottom of it. So there's not really a lot that I can go through and say, unless you kind of want that specific kind of teenage melodrama in your life, then I that's the only way I can recommend Your Lie in April. But then outside of that, the one major one inside of this orchestral section that I was relating to Nodame Cantabile would be Sound Euphonium, considering it is a phenomenal show through and through, especially with what Kyoto Animation has been able to go through and inject into its adaptation to give it that kind of sheen, polish, and an absolutely melodic soundtrack to bring us into this orchestral feast. Because the more and more I look back on it, it is just still amazing to this day. I will admit that I did get a little shaky on my relationship, especially when it came to the movie. I can't remember which, which came first. I think Liz and the Bluebird came first, 
after the second season, and then you ended up getting the sequel film after that. And now we're going to be getting the quote-unquote fifth film, which is the third canonical film that isn't a recap. So the third Sound Euphonium film is finally going to have the opportunity to debut in North America later this year. I hope, because it's going to be at least out in Japan this summer, which means we should get it in North America by the end of the year. But just outside of that, Sound Euphonium basically bringing me into the fold, especially when it comes to Tomio Kurosawa being like one of the best voice actresses in the industry today, and she might be my favorite. The only one that comes close is probably Miyuki Sawashiro. But it's just what Kumiko was able to do with her character, the way that she bounces off of Reina, especially with a lot of their gibs and the emotive, uncanny animation that this show is able to produce inside of this world is fucking insane. It is probably, of looking through all these, Sound Euphonium is probably the best looking show by far of any of this, of of anybody inside of this entire group. And I mean, Kyoto Animation just oozes polish, oozes the talent and effort that is able to make an adaptation like this work. And there are so many good pieces of not only character animation, but moments that are elevated not only thanks to the voice acting, but as well as the soundtrack and the production and what they're able to do with these specific moments, even considering that they know what parts are important. They know that even though they can give a certain amount of polish to everything around this series, the specific character moments that happen inside of this show are nothing short of phenomenal. What One of my... F still one of my favorite anime episodes to date, is the Summer Festival arc. And by arc, I mean episode, because they take that kind of trope and they condense it to what is important, what needs to happen, what character interactions are the tropes and things that you kind to expect, and what kind of relationships between the characters that we've been able to see evolve since we knew that there was a little bit of tension and a little bit of awkwardness when you had Kumiko and Reina at the beginning of the series, most notably considering that Kumiko had no idea what these kinds of orchestral competitions mean to the people around her, to the point where she at least wants to figure out why it's so important, but then it's going to have to happen for her to repair her relationship with Reina. And before we were able to figure out where essentially the show was going, it was probably the most Yuri undertoned episode of anime that I had seen to date. And it was just seeing the chemistry between these two just climbing their own obstacles together and making themselves better people and helping each other inside of a cast that is also filled to the brim with phenomenally charismatic, chaotic, and just charming characters. The fact that they're able to elevate themselves to that degree especially whenever it comes to believing and respecting and just helping each other, those are the ones that you remember. Those are the episodes that always stick out in your mind, that always, to this day, will never go away, and is always going to be a shining example of what they're able to accomplish, especially inside this animated medium. So, I can't wait for Sound Euphonium movie 3-5 to come out towards the end of the year. I would definitely give, I would say, out of all of these, uh, Your Line April is the one that I probably would recommend the least, but the top three I would still give 
the best recommendations towards would still be Bochi the Rock if you haven't seen it, Beck and Sound Euphonium. And yeah, if you do want something a little slower and you still have that kind of slice of life cutesy element that still has a little bit of rock DNA inside of its core, then yes, I do still do recommend K-On towards the rest of that. And considering that it had been some time since we were able to get such a defining music anime that was built from people who ended up loving the scene and was passionate about it to its core, I would definitely like to thank Bochi the Rock for at least reinvigorating this kind of genre and this kind of music. I will admit, I still haven't seen Given. That is the one big piece that I feel like I still should recommend because I've heard nothing but good things about it. So at least next to Given and Bochi the Rock, if these are the two musical anime that have been at least leading the way towards what we're going to have in the future, I legitimately can't wait. So I'm glad I was able to get one Music in May episode out this year, and I'll see what I'll be able to do leading on to the next one. So cheers, have a good one.